Welcome to the Marriage Steps podcast where developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. The Marriage Steps podcast is listener supported, so to help keep it on the air so couples worldwide can receive hope for their marriage, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. A quick announcement, I'm officially launching my Total Marriage Refresh book. If you've been to my conference, you know about this content. It's my top six steps to marital satisfaction. So this book is my conference on steroids. So there's more case studies, more examples, more insights, more tools, and I've written it as a marriage manual, meaning that it's something that you can go back to again and again and again to remind yourself how to handle common challenges in marriage. So I hope you check it out. It's a great time of the year to get it. A lot of relationships are suffering right now because of the pandemic. And so if that's you, if your marriage is facing challenges, if you're stressed, if you need some help in your marriage, if you want some hope and some refreshment, make sure you check out the book, Total Marriage Refresh, available on Amazon now. The first thing I'm gonna do today is the marriage Q&A. So throughout the week, I have people sending me questions through Facebook or Instagram or emailing me, and I do my best to respond back, and I also like to share the questions here in case some of you have the same one. So here's the first one I got. I just found out about my partner having an affair. What should I do? The first thing I wanna say to you is my heart goes out for you. Experiencing an affair is one of the worst things you can go through, and it creates PTSD symptoms, post-traumatic stress disorder because you lose all power, you lose all control, you lose all sense of reality. It's one of the worst things you can go through. And so if that's you, if you've just found out your partner is having an affair, I'm gonna recommend three things. The first thing is you want to ask them to stop all contact with the person and open up all of their accounts so you can make sure they're not in continual contact. Now some partners, when they have been having an affair, they're very repentful and they're very remorseful and they're willing to do whatever it takes. Normally, you're not gonna heal if that heart is not there. So you'll tell, you'll be able to tell pretty quickly if your partner is willing to do whatever it takes by how they respond to that request. If you ask them, stop all contact, open up all lines of communication so I can see everything to make sure there's no more contact, If they really wanna save your marriage, they'll do that without blinking an eye. If they don't do that, the second recommendation is to expose the affair. Tell all of your family and friends. The reason for that is because a lot of times when someone is having an affair, they're under the influence of a drug. An affair replicates the same chemistry in your brain as hard drugs. Therefore, you're not in your right frame of mind. You're in this haze. But when your family and friends find out and they start contacting you, guess what? A lot of times it snaps you out of it and it makes you realize how stupid you're being and how devastating you're being to your family. So that's the second round of defense, expose the affair. A lot of times that will stop it. If that doesn't stop it and your partner still refuses to open up all communication with you and all accounts and refuses to stop contact with the person, The next round of defense, the third round of defense, is a separation. 
you want to have a separation with zero contact because that allows your partner opportunity to experience life without you and decide if they want life without you with this other person or if they want to come back to you. It also protects you from the trauma of the affair because it can feel like emotional abuse to still be in a relationship with someone who is having an affair. So those are your three steps to consider. Second question, my husband says he needs sex twice a week and he pouts if he doesn't get it. What should I do? Well, I have recommendations for both of you. For those of you who pout, it's very easy to pout if you're not getting sex in your relationship, especially if you're the high libido partner. Because when we're pouting, that's us not feeling loved, not feeling adequate, not feeling wanted. However, if you pout and you sulk and you're passive aggressive, that's gonna get you less of what you want because then your partner is gonna feel like you're being manipulative and that they have to give sex to get love. So you have to work on your pouting. Instead, put your feelings into words. I feel really sad, I feel really lonely, I feel really hurt, I feel really rejected because we haven't been having sexual contact lately. That's how you wanna express it. Don't pout. You still wanna get it out, but do it in more constructive ways. Now, for the partner who is saying, my partner always needs sex twice a week, for you, I would recommend a few things. First thing is we need to look more at what you need. What's your desire? How often would you like to have sexual contact? What do you need to be more open to sexual contact? Maybe you need more emotional intimacy. Maybe you need more affection. Maybe you need to change things up during sexual connection so it's more clitoral focused than penetration focused. You need to have your needs front and center because if your needs are being honored and you have a stake in it, then you won't resent your partner needing it because you also need it and want it because you're enjoying it. So concentrate not just on what your partner needs, but also what do you need to make it more pleasurable for you. Okay, the marriage message of the day is who is to blame for problems in marriage? Who's to blame? The million dollar question. As a marriage counselor, I get couples coming in all the time, and when I start asking them about the problems, they start doing this. Who's to blame? (laughs) And they each blame each other. And there's a lot of truth in that. Usually, both partners are playing a part. So that's step number one, is you wanna unpack the vicious cycles. What are the vicious cycles in your marriage? Normally, one partner does something that upsets their partner, and then their partner reacts in a way that upsets this partner, and now you have a vicious cycle, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What are your vicious cycles? That's step number one. You wanna understand what your vicious cycles are, and you wanna understand what your part is, because most likely, you are not innocent. You're probably contributing in some level. You're probably making it worse on some level. You have to figure out how you both are contributing to the vicious cycle in your relationship. Number two, we need to look at the perpetrator of the problem. The perpetrator is the person doing something that's upsetting their partner. Maybe they're not responding to the partner's bids very well. Maybe they're negligent toward the marriage. Maybe they're not meeting their partner's needs. Maybe they're not open to conversations and they're not willing to work through conflicts. They're doing something, maybe they're not sharing power. Partner A is the perpetrator. 
We'll call them the perpetrator. They're doing something or not doing something that's upsetting their partner. So for those of you listening, some of you are the perpetrators. You're doing or not doing something that's upsetting your partner. You have to take ownership for that. What is it that you're doing? Don't just look at your partner and say, oh, look at their angry reaction to me. They're the problem, they're the problem. You're also the problem because you're doing something or not doing something that's creating their anger. And I've seen this with couples I've worked with. Some partners come in and they're doing or not doing something that's upsetting their partner, but instead of looking at their part, all they focus on is their partner's anger. And they think their partner's anger is the problem. And it is, but your behavior you're doing or not doing is creating your partner's anger. So you have to start by looking at your part. Don't dismiss what you're doing and just blame your partner's anger for the problems you're having in your relationship. Look at what you're doing or not doing that's creating your partner's anger. Number three is the person having the anger. This is the reactor to the problem. This is the person who's responding to the problem. This is the partner who is reacting to what their partner is doing or not doing, probably with anger. You're also to blame. You also have to take ownership for your anger. And don't dismiss your anger and say, it's okay that I'm angry because look at what my partner is doing. Now, there is a time and place for righteous anger when you're righting a wrong. However, a lot of, of us feel justified to respond with anger because of our partner's behavior. Anger is destructive. So you need to take ownership for your anger. No matter what your partner is doing, it's up to you on how you choose to respond back. You don't have to respond with anger. You can learn to constructively put your words and your feelings into words. You can check out the Reunite tool on my website, You can learn how to have a soft startup. You can learn how to constructively express yourself. So don't blame your partner's behavior for your anger. You are responsible for how you respond to your partner, no matter what they're doing, because you have to take ownership for your part. And I get couples come in and some partners are doing this. They don't think they should take responsibility for their anger. They don't think, think they should look at their part because all they can look at is what their partner is doing wrong. Their partner is doing this or not doing this, so therefore how they react, they feel is justified, and that's wrong. You also need to take ownership for your part and work on your part, because it's a vicious cycle. It's not unidimensional, it's it's multi-dimensional. And that leads to step number four, which is a personal story in my relationship. So early in my relationship, my wife came out of a background with a lot of sexual trauma. So early in our marriage, she avoided all sexual contact for months on end. She would avoid it because it was traumatic for her. So she would be the perpetrator. She's the one doing something or not doing something that was impacting me. So in this case, she was not open to sexual contact. So she's the perpetrator of the problem in this scenario. So that's her part. However, my part is I responded with anger. I responded with agitation. I responded with being passive aggressive. I responded by blowing up at times. I didn't respond well at all. And I have to take responsibility for my part 
because when I would respond with anger, guess what? Now she wants to avoid it even more because then I wasn't safe. I wasn't helping her work through her trauma and helping her cycle through her trauma cycle and realize the lion wasn't chasing her and helping her feel safe and helping her feel like I still love her even though she's wrestling with trauma. I didn't do that very well at all in our early part of our marriage. So who's to blame for our sexual dysfunction we had in the early stages of our marriage? We both were to blame. She was to blame for bringing in all this trauma and avoiding the trauma, not proactively working on it. And then I was to blame by how I reacted with anger, which made it even worse. So that's an example of a vicious cycle. We both were playing a part. She was not doing something that was upsetting me because it wasn't meeting my needs. And then I was reacting in a way that was making her even harder to want to engage. So we both were to blame. And it took me a while to own my part. You know, through the years in our marriage, when we were going through that season, I thought she was to blame. I thought she was the primary one that was should take responsibility. I thought I was pretty innocent. And I thought I was justified in my anger. So it took me a while to take ownership and realize, you know what? No matter what she's doing, it's still my choice how to respond back. And by responding with anger, I'm just making things worse. And so I had to learn how to constructively put my tender feelings into words instead of blowing up out of frustration. And so what about for you? Are you the perpetrator of the problems in your relationship by doing or not doing something? Or are you the one reacting with the anger? You're both to blame and you both need to take ownership for your part because only then can you start working on your part of the puzzle. And then you both can start making progress to healing. Thank you for listening to the Marriage Steps podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to click the five stars and leave a review. If you enjoyed the podcast, or if you want to be on the podcast, if this podcast has helped you in any way, I would love to interview you so others can be inspired by your story. For more marriage resources, be sure to go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. That's D-R-W-Y-A-T-T-F-I-S-H-E-R.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. It's a living organism. So if you care for it, it will grow. But if you deprive it and neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.